Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be talking about the Star series, Dangerous Liaisons. We are joined today by Harriet Warner, who's the showrunner, writer, and executive producer of the series, along with Colin Callender, who's an executive producer on the show. And Harriet, starting with you, um, I was interested in kind of where your initial jumping off point was in, in how you wanted to tell the story, because it's set prior to the events of the book. So there's this kind of lead into what we know so well narratively. Um, and I know that you've taken inspiration from a lot of different iterations of of it, you know, including uh, one of the original stage versions of it. Um, and so as you were thinking aesthetically and narratively and how you wanted to approach telling this story and bring audiences in, what was kind of your initial idea and conceptualization that really formed the foundation? Thanks, Mara. I think that it really was being hugely um, clear that there was, first of all, a new story to tell um, in terms of Colin asked me to, to look at the book. He had an idea to bring it to TV. Um, obviously, Colin's such a huge figure in the industry. You think if, if he sees a reason to bring it back, then I really want to try and, and hone in on that. Um, but obviously, amazing adaptations have been done. Christopher Hampton really did the seminal adaptation for stage and screen. Um, so I wanted to find something for myself in it and I reread the book I watched the movies again but going back to the novel um there was one particular letter from the Marquise de Matoy letter 81 where my interpretation of that letter it's a woman talking about how she invented herself how she created um a facade in a way that enabled her to work within this very rigid fixed society um, society that was hugely unequal in terms of if you if you don't have money and you don't have social status, you really don't get to to go forward in it. Um, and I thought, wow, this is really interesting. It it feels like there's a character here who wasn't from this world and has had to find a way to navigate it. And I think that's one of the key themes of the show is a, a woman navigating a man's world. Um, so that made me think. I would love to explore in a way we we all know the endpoint for for Valmont and for the Marquise de Matoy, but let's look at the journey that gets them to that place. Um, and this this idea that Laclosse had kind of given me this huge blank canvas to create a wonderful how we got there journey. Um, and then I said to Colin, I think maybe this is actually a, a prelude and and to see his excitement, we thought we have something here. And that was really the the jumping off point. I love that. And, and Colin, kind of coming over to, to your side of things and, and just I love the fact that that it was kind of initially you bringing this book to Harriet and and kind of looking conceptually at what this show could be. What were some of the initial challenges or hurdles that you saw in creating an adaptation as a series? Because obviously, you know, you've got this great central story between these two characters, but then, you know, episodically and, and with the idea of building a show that could potentially run for several seasons, there's a lot of different strands that you want to be able to explore within the story and branching off from there as well. Yeah, you know, there's a reason why the title Dangerous Liaison and the story has sort of uh, keeps coming up and keeps people keep coming back to it. Um, and that's because at the centre of it, 
there are two things. It's a love story, of course, but it is, as Harriet said, the story of a woman navigating a man's world. And that's as contemporary now as it was back in the late 18th century. And so that, that was our, the starting point in speaking to Harriet. Um, but what I didn't know at the time was, was how we were going to do that, and how were we going, how we were actually going to find a narrative structure to tell the story. And it was Harriet's brilliance in discovering this, this gem within letter 81 that, that actually suddenly everything everything came together and, and the whole notion of how to tell the story sort of unfolded and became very clear but it was harriet's genius and understanding the way to actually formulate that amazing and i wanted to ask you both a little bit about how you approach the visual aspect of this show because you know it's obviously got to be incredibly detailed towards the time period and again you know there's all of the the sourcing kind of the crew that you're hiring that have expertise all of the research that goes into that um and so where was kind of the starting point of a lot of the conversations in pre-production of how are we going to approach telling this from a visual standpoint how strict do we want to be to the time period and certain elements and you know what are the most important things that we need to kind of dive in and specifically research in order to tell this authentically I think one of our, our I think our very first like key head of department was David Roger our production designer and he was so specific he has a an incredible encyclopedic knowledge of the 18th century he adores Paris he did a lot of his training in Paris um he was the perfect person, but he also has an incredible reputation in opera, which was always going to be very key to the season, particularly as we, we move towards our finale. So he kind of embodied everything that, that visually um, we wanted for the show. And, and it's funny in the terms of the writing process, without that visual um, explosion and and key image like the writing doesn't come and one of the things early on in the process um Colin had said we just need a, a real amazing moment we need spectacle we need something that really shows the times it shows Paris and it shows in a way the, the big themes of the piece so that visual sense was always in the writing and then finding David who um is an extraordinary man really he then takes that on and he's hugely across the details. Um, one of our amazing directors, Ollie Blackburn, is also very, very um, immersed in that period. He, he, I think, did history at Oxford. He, so, so we had people across the board who loved the period and, and loved the, the integrity that we were bringing to it and making sure everything felt authentic. And then Colin was always behind pushing that everything looked like a movie that we were we were in a way building from a platform of that incredible seminal movie and we wanted to to really match that didn't we yeah I mean you know the challenge of doing a costume drama these days is that you know there are there have been a lot of costume dramas over time <clears throat> and what we wanted to do was wanted to, we wanted to be authentic and real to the period but we wanted to be fresh and modern we didn't want it to feel staid and cobwebby, um, and we didn't want it to be ana anachronistically not modern. So we had to walk. We walk, walk this high wire act between creating the world in all its glory, um, and yet with Harriet's scripts and with the actors, you know, delivering it to a, an audience so that it felt fresh and of the moment. Um, but um, the, the, the the 
the costumes and the sets, you know, we there's an enormous audiences love being transported to another world. And part of the joy of watching this show is being transported to a whole world that we haven't been into before, but that actually maybe we ourselves would, would love to have been part of. Um, so there's that sort of fun of seeing another world that gets us out of the, the, the mundane and rather grubby world we're living in today um, and being transported to somewhere rather exotic. And I love what you're saying there, Colin, about trying to tell the story that feels very modern and very fresh, but still being true to the time period. And for both of you wanted to ask about how that that balance influenced a lot of the narrative arcs and themes in, in the story as well, because if you actually stripped away all the period piece elements and had elements like, you know, mobility within the class system or a woman trying to cede power in a society that doesn't generously offer anything to her, you could still tell that story in a 2022 lens. Um, and so that's, really what, that's what gives this relevance to a modern mm -hmm. audience. I mean, I have two daughters who are going out into the world now and they are having to navigate a world that is basically a man's world. And many of the things that, 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 that Camille has had to deal with, um, uh, you know, uh, contemporary young women have to deal with. Now, of course, they don't pay the price that, that, that Camille pays as the story unfolds, but it, it is, it had all those themes are very much of the moment. Yeah. And, and I think, Mara, also, in a way, we've had the contemporary adaptations, you know, Cruel Intentions, um, that we've had the modern take on, on this extraordinary piece of literature. But I think what Colin is saying there as well is, yes, you kind of, we have a lot of these themes, that they're, they're hugely universal. But what Colin's talking about there is paying the price. And I think that was something that was always so key to, to this interpretation, to really crystallize the patriarchy and the elite in a way at a point where if you didn't have resources, there's no safety net. And I think obviously in parts of the world and for you know demographics, that is true now. But I think for so many people, there is not an awareness that there is nothing if you, you know, there's no one's going to catch you. And I think that was really, really key for Camille, who, and for Valmont, both these characters are so driven by that lack of safety net. And it really informs who, who they both are. So we, we kind of really want to come from that place of authenticity of, of what that meant. Yeah, yeah it, it does. And it's a really wonderful balance that you've struck in in that lens of telling the story. And, um, you know, Harriet, you were mentioning before Ollie Blackburn, who's one of the directors. And I wanted to ask you both about working with both him and Leonora Lonsdale, who also directed the first four episodes and just kind of what a lot of those early discussions looked like, you know, even down to some of the detailing of the way that we've got these very rich color palettes in some scenes and then kind of a lot of use of kind of grays and, and darker mud brown tones in certain other spaces, depending on the emotional trajectory as, as well as the physical location of where scenes are taking place. Hmm. I mean, we, you know, everything I think from the ground up is, is so hugely considered and so much uh, a part of the, the thematic way that I work as a writer and Colin is an incredible um, champion and protector of a producer and our directors really understood that vision and and brought so much in terms of as you say those wonderful details are our, our um, incredible costume designer and hair and makeup uh, every, everything I mean the the detail and the the work and logistics that went into this at a time where that was really, really difficult in terms of obviously the 
working in through the pandemic. But um, no, we had amazing, amazing people to carry this vision through. One of one of the things that was interesting was hearing Alice, who plays Camille, talk about the costumes she wears mm. because she was wearing very tight uh, corsets and having to wear this ma these massive wigs and these mm. many layered dresses. And in some senses, she felt that 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 sort of physical experience of wearing those costumes and wearing the wigs was a sort of physical embodiment of the the sort of um, constraint. Um, and he, uh, that she as a character, Camille as a character, feels in that world. And so in some senses, the actual costumes themselves actually really added to the performance in the sense that the, the sort of the, the, the emotional underpinning of the performances. Um, and that was equally true as it happens of Nicholas. It's so true. And actually, Alice said to us at, at, by the end, there was such a claustrophobia. It's it's in her it's in her narrative drive as well. But really life was lending so much to that it was uh, I mean her performance is extraordinary and the 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 weight that she carries on her shoulders with the show um but yeah she she was very much kind of um informed by the physicality of 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 her wardrobe yeah I love hearing that and there's also so many great visual details that really connect Camille and Leslie Manville's character Genevieve and, and just within the parallels that start to exist between their characters narratively and I'm thinking even just about you know the way that we see Leslie kind of like very meticulously peeling an orange and then a couple of episodes later we're seeing Camille do exactly the oh, same you got, you got that well done yeah that's <laughs> lovely that those details are picked up on because it is it's that it's literally it's the education it's the mentorship and that was very much in 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 the crafting of it. Yeah, I mean, as you as you were writing the scripts and working with uh, Leonora and, and Ollie, um, how did you kind of work to really find a lot of those elements where you can have all those unspoken moments that give us so many character details in different instances um, like that? It's sort of in the way that I write, um, and these it, this show has been in in. I mean, we've had so many years together in in working on this developing it before we got the incredible partnership with stars so it's hugely authored and they, those characters kind of do what they do it they're very naturally um so so much is there and then you work with brilliant directors who are able to then bring that out and make it a light motif or whatever through the show and and that's just, it's what you hope for, it's what you aim for. And I think we we were able to have a team of incredible people across the production who really honoured the values and our ambitions for it. And we were hugely am ambitious as as the stars, you know, we're, we're supported at every turn with that. You know, making a show of this scale is, is all about the time the cumulative effect of tiny little decisions right. and tiny little moments. And if you get those tiny little moments right, and if they're real and authentic, then the whole show will have a unity to it mm -hmm. and a sense of authenticity. And I think that's what we try to do here with, you know, so that every tiny detail um, was examined and thought about and, and discussed and you know, brought to the screen in the context of a whole. Amazing. And and also in talking about the character of Camille, obviously at the center of, of the show, you know, each episode kind of has to build what the stakes are for her, because the higher she moves up through society and the more power she's able to ascertain over people, 
the more is at stake for her. You know, and again, going back to that idea that it's not just developing one season of, of TV, it's about also thinking about future narrative arcs. Um, as you were going episode by episode through all of the scripts and, and the narrative arcs, how did you kind of find that balance of, okay, well, how far do we want to kind of push the stakes? You know, what's the new elements that, that are at risk for her in, in this episode so that it always feels like there's a momentum moving forward, mm -hmm. but you're never moving it pacing wise too fast for the season? Well, Mara, that is literally, it is, that is the kind of the rigorous examination and the key to unlock the show. That is, that is literally those questions you're asking, the ones I'm asking myself. I think what I always saw and what was exciting for me and Colin to see kind of was this idea season one. I knew where we would get to at the end. I know my hopes, I know Colin's hopes that we get to continue telling this story, you know, what into many seasons, that would be the dream. So it's really strange, this extraordinary novel that has had so many interpretations and adaptations felt like suddenly it was presenting something extraordinary, real stratas to see this woman and man, Valmont's journey is, is, as key as Camille's, to see where they would start in Paris at a point like the one thing I think to go slightly against the novel was to bring it slightly later, to set it around the time that Laclosse published it, because then we get the events of the French Revolution, which feels such a relevant, extraordinary moment in history for these characters. I always saw Camille as an agent of change, someone with the power to cause a revolution, whether it's political or personal, that felt very exciting. And, and immediately a structure started to come that, yes, with as you say, within every episode, you're, you're very conscious of how far can Camille go? When does she cross that real Rubicon and, and moral line with herself? Not just in each episode, but where is the big one in the season? And how does that still leave movement and room? Should we get that wonderful second season? Should we go beyond that? There's a very clear journey for her for, for numerous seasons, all marked incrementally in that morality to immorality, innocence to experience to corruption. And I think that it's extraordinary. The piece gives you such extraordinary characters, such extraordinary times, and then to be able to expand it as you naturally have to do for, for TV. It's not a straight adaptation. It's a, a starting point and an inspiration to get to an end point. That is wonderful. It lends itself to a, a very instinctive structure, which hopefully is, is satisfying. But Harriet does something very brave as a writer. She takes her character, Camille, and also Valmont, and they do, at times, some terrible things. Mm. They behave very badly. Um, and yet, we still, through a combination of Harriet's writing and the wonderful performances and mm. the actors that play the roles, we still, we sort of understand how they got there. We may not endorse it, but we sort of understand it. And we feel for them, even in their moments of pain, which is self-inflicted. Mm. But that business, you know, the, the, the boldness of being able to shamelessly uh, 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 sort of embrace the mistakes of a character is not something that you regularly see um, on the small screen. And um, it, it's been a lot of fun and, and, and a great challenge to actually explore that 
and yet and, and hopefully keep the audience on our side yeah no i agree with what with what you're saying there and in in that kind of frame i think it works so well because we do see those private moments there's moments where there's a sense of valmont and camille and kind of what their intentions might be because of moments where we kind of see them privately but yet there's also moments where we as the audience are uncertain you know what are their intentions what are their actions going to be and so how did you find that that structural dance of, okay, mm-hmm. where do we want the audience to be inside the story in the uh-huh. same kind of blind spot that the rest of the characters around them are in? And where do we want to pull the audience out where they're seeing something that the other characters mm-hmm. don't know? And that's the constant tension mm-hmm. of, of a certain type uh-huh. of drama and Harriet plays that tension brilliantly. Thank you, Colin. And I think also um, it's testament to the extraordinary performances of, yeah. of all the characters or all the actors, but particularly Alice and Nicholas playing always with our expectations. And, and I think trusting, trusting the characters, knowing what those characters are in the artistry of our extraordinary cast and, and sort of trusting that in a way we, we have this expectation of where we will get, but I think one of the strengths of the show is always subverting that, but but trusting that we might not like it, we might not forgive it, but I think we understand it, particularly by the end of, of season one for both Valmon and, and Camille. And what keeps us leading into the show is that both Alice and Nicholas's performances mm. are constantly surprising us. Mm, mm. We never quite know where they're going. Yeah. Even in the way they deliver their lines, they don't necessarily deliver the lines the way yeah. maybe a more traditional actor would deliver the lines. And so you're, you're constantly sort of, leaning into see what's going to happen next. And they're always sort of ahead of us. Um, it's rare that we're actually ahead of them. Um, and that makes the show very, um, hopefully anyway, very engaging. It does. And, and narratively with the two of them at, at the centre and at the core of, of everything that's driving the show, there's this kind of ripple effect of their actions on all of the characters around them. Um, and so was it, was it something where in constructing a lot of the narrative arcs for the show, you always had a sense of, the kind of B plots and, and where the supporting characters were going from the get go, or was it writing and creating the central core of the two of them and then looking at the ripple effect created around them? It's sort of a bit of both. It's really interesting. There are characters who you might not necessarily think are going to come through in 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 such a strong way, but but from the conception, I always saw a few very key moments in the season where lives would cross and there would be impact. And that's not always driven by Camille and Valmont. Sometimes they find themselves at a moment of chance that has a huge impact. And But that was the joy of the show. Again, these extraordinary kind of new formations of, of characters on a type. I think you read that novel and you, you can see where all of our characters could live within the original novel. Um, But yeah, they very much their journeys. I think that's the beauty of it. It's very interconnected. It's very woven. And I think for anyone in the show, knowing that their journey will be honored, it's not, you're not just playing one scene or even if it's a one episode um, role, it's, it's it, there's a real authenticity to it and ver- and and hugely satisfying part of of a complex narrative and i think all our characters um even if they have you know maybe one or two episodes there's always a sense that those characters are part of this world and we hopefully will see them again 
And with what you were both saying as well about obviously having, you know, two such incredible and strong performers at the center of this show, um, you know, and, and that kind of dance of how much are we going to give the audience and and the fact that they themselves would also bring so much off the page. And, you know, there's always a lot of discussion that goes on beyond just what's in the scripts. What mm -hmm. did a lot of those conversations look like that, that you would be having with the two of them early on and really just kind of making sure that you were bringing both of their performances towards the same page and the same ideation of what this show was going to be? I think there's such instinctive um, actors. We're, we're so lucky. I mean, we sometimes talk about it. We, we are so proud of this entire show, but I think what, what we are all kind of most proud and excited about are those extraordinary leads and finding people who, who um, feel very new even if they're hugely experienced within it so I think I mean I remember a, a very early conversation with Alice and getting these goosebumps she was kind of trying to decide to make this huge commitment which it is for any for anyone but to be such you know a, an incredible lead in a show that is huge um, for obviously what you hope will be a, a, you know, many, many season show. It's a massive, massive commitment. And talking to her, and I've got goosebumps now when I think about it, because that's what happened. I knew the way she instinctively was. She had Camille. It was like this passing of this character who's who's quite hard to explain. And luckily with a man like Colin who can really understand and has such a kind of instinct for brilliance, whether that's seeing that in an actor or seeing that in a story. You have to kind of get behind these characters who aren't always, as Colin says, likable. And, and you know, I don't know, you could judge them in, in a different way. But knowing Alice would do something so extraordinary with Camille. You don't need to say much. And as I say, our wonderful directors are there on, on the ground and build incredibly, um, you know, uh, strong relationships on that day-to-day -day level. But I think both Alice and Nicholas, they just had those characters and that's why their performances and auditions just blew us away. You know, in the current environment, um, I think it's increasingly clear that you don't need stars to carry a show. And in fact, you know, very often stars, even when they're in it, don't carry a show. What the audience loves now is discovering new talent and discovering new people. And when you bring uh, actors like Alice and Nicholas to the screen, they come to the screen with no baggage. Um, you don't know who they are because you're meeting them for the first time effectively. And so, and so you're discovering them as the series unfolds. One of the great fun things was we cast this during the pandemic, during the lockdown. And we had seen, we had seen lots and lots of people. And when we got the auditions on tape um, from Nicholas and Alice, we knew that these were the guys, but we had to get them together because this is a story about a love story, about a relationship. And we had to get them somehow in the room together, but under the lockdown conditions, we couldn't do that. So we got them in a rehearsal room, which was divided by massive plastic sheet. And we decided that if they could actually make their relationship work through a plastic sheet, we knew they were the right guys. <laughs> and they sure as hell did. Yeah. And very quickly, the chemistry and the electricity between the two of them, even though they were opposite side of the plastic sheet, <laughs> was just absolutely compelling. And um, 
we knew we had the right guys. That's amazing. I, I love that detail of a very unique chemistry read. Well, congratulations on the first season. I really hope for both of you and the rest of the team that there are many more seasons of the show in the future. And thank you so much to both of you for talking about it today. Thank, thank you, Mara. Lovely to see you again.